it's just the lady there. Elizabeth, behind you. Behind you. Sitting down? Yeah, looking to the back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you mind coming quickly and approach me? just going to pray for faith. Thank you, Lord, for faith. And I just, um, what a cool name. <laughs> Lord, and as I was worshiping, I just saw her as well, Father, and I saw incredible strength that you've put in her. And we just want to pray for her tonight, Lord. Thank you, Father. We just want to recognize what you've put in her. Thank you, Lord, that you're really, really strengthening her at this time. Thank you, Father, for our hunger, for your word. That she'll eat and eat and eat and eat, Father, she can build up you for such a time of preparation that you're teaching our hands, Lord, to bend above bronze. You're really strengthening our arms, Father, as she sometimes feels in the evenings the fatigue of the day, even in her spirit, sometimes feels the muscles that ache, Lord, from all the exercise. Thank you that you strengthen her, that you also give her her rest, Lord. But I thank you for this time, Lord. You want to consecrate this time of her life. We are preparing her. She'll shoot very straight, Lord. She'll shoot into the heart of the enemy, Father. She'll shoot um, without hesitation and being so practiced, Lord. Like the girl in uh, Narnia, Susan. Thank you, Father, that you give her a bow and arrows, Lord, and you're training her to use it, Lord, for, with a confidence, Lord, and on the back of the lion, Father, with knowing your voice, Lord. Your voice will be very close to her. She's not going to do anything that she thinks to do or that she sees to do, but she does only what she hears the Father doing. Thank you for this time where you train her, Lord, to hear only what the Father says and to do only what she sees the Father doing. Thank you that you help her, Lord, with the people around her to guide her Father. She finds her team, her accountability partners, her strengthening people who are, str who are strong where she is weak. Thank you that you position her, even in church, Lord, and that you strengthen her in this time. Thank you that we can declare over her the things to come, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now you may sit. <laughs> Just pray. Father, you are um, amazing, Lord. And we are so blessed to be in your presence. And we love you, God. We love you tonight. And thank you, Jesus, that we can enjoy you. And thank you that your presence is so good. And thank you that you are here before we are here. We are just so grateful, Lord. Thank you that we can be part of what you do in the earth. Thank you that you invite us in, Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. We worship you in our song, but we also worship you with our lives. Um, you know, let everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Let our whole bodies praise you, Father. Let not just tonight praise you, but the whole week, our every day, not just in church, but everywhere we are. We desire to worship you, Lord. We desire to praise you. We desire to put our eyes on you. May your name be glorified, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So who has been to School of Nations? Okay, hold your hands up. Yeah. <laughs> hold your hands up. Who's been to Bible school? Also hold your hands up. Who's been on missions? And who's done any of our prophetic training? So all the hands of all those questions up. Okay, so all those people should know the first 15 minutes of the sermon. So <laughs> you can... Um, I'll let you know when to clock in after that. <laughs> no, stay with us. Um, I'm very excited tonight. I want to share tonight about sound. What is that sound? So I see some people I haven't met. 
Um, my name is Leona. The other last year we had a church event, um, and someone asked me. It was a different show for churches, and someone from our church that I know, like, have seen, asked me <laughs> from which church am I? So, <laughs> I am in this church. <laughs> I lead this church with Rainer. <laughs> if you haven't seen me, it's because I'm always in the morning services <laughs> with my kids, and I'm preaching there quite a bit. Um, but my name is Leona, and I'm excited to be here with you tonight. Rainer is doing his other job tonight. He's with the kids. <laughs> so I'm speaking tonight about what is that sound. And before we get to the sound, I just want to give a definition, and I want to lay a foundation um, for what I believe the Lord wants to share with us about sound. So I want to first speak about prophetic action. Who's never heard of that? Okay, a few people. So let's look at scripture and then I'll explain this at the end of scripture. So we're going to look about a story, uh, we can look at the life of Moses and two different stories. And the first one we're going to go to is Exodus 17. So I'm going to read you. The Lord answered Moses. So the people, were, they were traveling through the desert. They didn't have water and they were complaining. Moses was the leader of the people and of the Israelites and he obviously had to solve this problem for them. And he asked the Lord, what should I do? The Lord said to Moses, go out in front of the people. Take with you some of the elders of Israel. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile. Remember when they crossed the, um, the Red Sea, they, it opened. And I will stand there before you by the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. So they don't have water. Moses, the leader, he has a staff in his hand. God says, strike the rock. He strikes the rock and the water comes out. The people are happy. They drink. So we're not talking about 10 people, yeah? I'm not sure how many it was, but it was a massive amount of people. So it's not 2,000. 2 million. Yes, not 2,000. 2 million, says Greg. So, I mean, we're not talking about a trickle, yeah, <laughs> um, for 2 million people to drink. Um, so who knows that normally when you hit a rock water doesn't come out okay we all agreed on that okay so this is not like a um, you know like hitting a water pipe and the water comes out this is a rock in the desert now god says to moses strike the rock and the water comes out why did the water come out logically we know it shouldn't why did it because god said if, so all it takes is for God to say the water's going to come out of the rock and it's going to come out. Is that correct? I see yeses and I see noes. Is that all it takes? Yes. So if God wanted to do it that way, he would say to the rock, you know, bring water. For that matter, you know, why didn't God just make it rain? You know, or let them stumble upon a river or create a river. <laughs> why did he have to do something that's weird? and are normal. Now, it's completely correct to say all it takes is for God to say to the rock, you know, or God to say there's going to be water from this rock and there's going to be water. Yet that's not what God did in this instance. What did he do? He asked Moses to do it. So, you know, when you buy from the online shops on the internet and you drive to the warehouse, then the things are cheaper because you cut out the middleman. Okay, so clearly God is not cutting out the middleman. <laughs> if God said to the rock, let the water come out, would it have worked? Is it guaranteed? 100%. Okay, now, why doesn't God do it that way? If God says to Moses, strike the rock and the water comes out, 
in this process, is it going to work? Is it guaranteed? You see, the thing is, is it guaranteed that Moses is going to do it? Now, there's a problem here. The middleman is always the problem. Why does God do that? Why does he not just solve it? Why does he work through Moses? We know that Moses did what God said and it worked. But you cannot know that because you know what? God didn't take control of Moses' body and make him do it. God doesn't do that. He asked Moses and Moses had a choice. He could be obedient or not. Why does God take that risk? Marion. He wants to co-labor with us. Why? Because he loves us. That's kind of always the right answer. <laughs> Can never go wrong with that. <laughs> it's true. So this is very important to understand this because this is one of the premises of Christianity. This is one of the core principles of the Bible. The fancy word for it is agency. But what it really means is that God does not do things on earth except when he does it through people. Now, with God, no rule is a rule. There's always exceptions. Okay, So sometimes God does. But as a rule, in 99.999% of the situations, God does not move on earth sovereignly. He moves through people. This is crucial to understand as a Christian. This is why we pray. If it was not for this fact, why would we pray? If God can do what God wants to do and he does it, what then is the point of praying? Yes, there would be a point in having a relationship with God, because I'm not talking about that, but praying for other people. If God just can do anything and he does what he wants to do, why would you ever pray for other people? Do you know that this is often why we don't pray? You know when someone is sick and you say to them, oh, I'm so sorry, you're sick, I'm going to pray for you. How often do you actually pray for them when you walk away? How many of you have said to someone, I'm so sorry you're sick, I'm going to pray for you, but then you didn't pray for them? Why didn't you pray for them? Because you didn't think it was going to make a difference. And it's perhaps because you didn't understand that God works on earth through people. God wants to use us. Okay, so here we see it. God uses Moses. Now, in this case, it's a good thing it all works out why exactly does it work out? So God says to Moses, strike the rock. He strikes the, water, the rock, the water comes out. Why did the water come out the rock when Moses struck it? Because God said so and Moses was obedient. Now we know that this is not a natural thing. You don't strike a rock and water comes out. So this is a prophetic action. Prophetic action is when God says you must do something. And because you are doing it, something else is going to happen. But there's this crucial element of the thing that you have to do. Does Moses make the water come out of the rock? No. God does it. But God didn't do it without Moses. He asked something specific of Moses, and he let Moses do that specific thing in obedience, and then the result came. The result is still brought about by God, but he used a human in the process. There's very good theology for this from Genesis, how God created us, his whole intent, how he set the earth. There's very good reasons why this is so, and I can't go into all of that, but go look it up. The law of human agency, you can Google that. Mm, just check which things you read. <laughs> Google's not always good. Ask Jamie and Armand and Matthew. <laughs> um, 
So here we have a situation and it worked out well and there was a good result. Now look at the next one, Numbers 20. Very similar, Moses and Aaron, um, the people complained, they didn't have water, still in the desert. Coming to the tent, uh, the Lord says to Moses, take the staff, you and Aaron, gather the assembly, speak to the rock before the eyes, it will pour out water. You will bring out water for the community so that they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, and they gathered the assembly, and they went to the rock, and Moses said, listen, you rebels, must we bring your water out of this rock? He's obviously a bit annoyed with the people by now. Um, I have two kids who moan in my ears, so um, I actually cannot comprehend like two million people moaning in your ears. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. Okay, well, let's just go to there. You can maybe just put the slide off now. So, exactly the same situation. There's no water. Moses goes to God. God says, take the staff. And he says, speak to the rock. He says, go out and speak to the rock, and water will come from it. What does Moses do? Strikes the rock. Why? <laughs> it's what worked the last time. Isn't that just often how we think? The previous time, did the water come out because he's hitting it with a stick? No, the water came out because he did what God was saying. But it's very human to do something and think if you do the same thing again, it's going to work. Now God says, speak to the rock. Yet, he strikes it. Why else do you think? Sorry, Mandisa? He was frustrated, yeah? He was like, let's just do something, get this over with. I think also maybe um, he felt silly to speak to the rock. It's weird. It's already weird to strike the rock, but I guess you can strike the rock and afterwards still make it seem like, you know, I was just <laughs> upset or something. <laughs> You can't speak to the rock, and if it doesn't work afterwards, like, still pretend you're sane, you know. <laughs> so, I don't know, the scripture doesn't say that, but that's what I think. I think God took it a level harder. Now you have to do something that seems silly, but he didn't obey. So, if you put that back on. So, here we say, like, the Lord saying, speak, not eat, speak to the rock. So, Moses goes, and he struck the rock so what happens the lord says to Moses, Aaron. so first he does it what happens the water gushed out now what's up with that what is prophetic action god tells you to do something you do what god said in obedience and god brings about the result a key element there is obedience was moses obedient did it still work why Yeah, the people needed water to drink. So this is the goodness of God. Two million people needed to drink, and their leader was disobedient. But this is how it always works in the kingdom. God does not let the people suffer for the mistake of the leader. If you're obedient to God, there is always protection. Your leaders are people. We are also people. We also make mistakes. Our leaders are people. They make mistakes. I've had leaders who've made really terrible mistakes. And it's really sometimes shook me. And I've gone through difficult times because of it. Because I look up to them. But the thing is, no person is God. 
And as long as you are in your intimate connection with God, I cannot connect with God for you. You cannot connect to God through me. We are here to love the flock. We are here to teach. But you connect to God. In the Old Testament, people connected through the priest. But you don't connect through me or through Raina or through Matthew. You connect to God. And one day, I will not stand with you in heaven when you give account. You will stand there before God by yourself. And as long as your relationship with God is right and you're obedient to him, when you're in a church, when you submit to your leaders, when you follow them, even when they make a mistake, God will be good to you. That is why there's no fear in following when you're connected to the Father. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me, though to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. So unfortunately for Moses, he did not get to go into the promised land. There is a consequence always for disobedience. And this time, it was a big one. (laughs) Terrible. Okay, let's go on to Kings. 2 Kings 13, a different story. Elisha, you know, Elisha was the prophet. So it's kind of the end of his life. And uh, Joash, the king of Israel, came to him. He said, my father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. So he's coming to the prophet for advice. This is what the kings did. Elisha said, get a bow and some arrows. And he did it. Take the bow in your hand. When he had taken it, Elisha put his hands on the king's hand. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elisha said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Aram, Elisha declared. He will completely destroy the Arameans at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elisha told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. And after that, Elisha died. Again, the king comes to the prophet. He's asking for guidance and advice. He wants to overcome his enemies. He knows that they're going to go into battle. He wants to know how to win. And the prophet um, doesn't just you know, sit out with a paper and a pen and write down a war strategy for him. I'm sure the king would have preferred that. Um, you know, something sensible. Thanks. But the, the prophet comes and he requires of him, the Lord guides the prophet to require of the king a prophetic action. Does shooting the windows out the window, picking up the arrows and hitting it on the ground, does that overcome the enemy? Literally. No, the enemy does not even know about this meeting happening. <laughs> this is nothing to them. This cannot do anything. Except if the Lord requires a prophetic action. Again, the Lord does not just do what he does. He wants to partner with us. He brings us into the process. So the prophet says what he must do. He does it. And then the prophet says, you didn't do it right. Did the prophet tell him how many times to strike the arrow? Is that fair? It always seems so unfair to me. The prophet said, Strike the arrow on the ground. Did the king strike the arrow on the ground? Now what is the problem? Now the prophet says, now you will not fully overcome your enemies because she did it three times. She should have done five or six. How must the king have known that? Because the scripture actually doesn't tell us. But why, what do you think? What do you think could have happened? He was ashamed, possibly. I think it's similar to the other situation. It seems silly, and he's a king. 
He's not used to being undignified. He's not, also not used to doing what other people tell him to do. I think he felt silly. What do you think? What else? He might not have believe, believed it would work. He didn't believe there's power in it. Marion? He could have clarified with the prophet. <laughs> he could have. You know, God is always fair, and God judges according to the heart. So there's something here in the king's heart that's the problem. What God says, God knows the heart. Scripture doesn't tell us what it is, so we can only speculate. But doing it three times where you should have done it five or six times, to me said he was not very enthusiastic. He didn't do it enthusiastically, you know, with energy. And I think that maybe there were some of these things in his heart. Maybe he didn't believe it would work. Maybe he didn't want to look silly. Maybe he was used to being a king, not listening to someone else. Something in his heart. But because the prophetic action was not done thoroughly with enthusiasm, it didn't have the full effect. So we know that the prophetic action must be something that God says. It cannot be something you make up. That's not prophetic action. Prophetic means the voice of God. It must be something God says. It must be done in obedience, in the way that God said. It must be done with enthusiasm. And then God brings about the specific result. I love the story just quite a long time ago when I became a Christian, 14 years ago, 15. A friend of mine was already a Christian. We were in a church service in Salambosh in a big hall, and she felt she must dance around the crowd during worship. So she knew the pastor, and she had his permission, and he said, go for it, and she was dancing around the crowd. And at, towards the end of the worship, God showed the specific people, and she felt she must dance around them with a sword. Yeah, Shafi can stand here. So like, kind of like going around and around. She did that. And at the end of the service, at the altar call, every single person she danced around got saved. And she didn't even know that they were unsaved people. She didn't know who they were, but they were. The Lord knew. And who knows... You know, she was breaking things off them, which enabled them to respond to the word of God. She was moving in obedience. She was doing it enthusiastically. And she was being led by the spirit of God. She submitted it to a pastor of the service. She didn't go out of order. Um, but the Lord used it powerfully. I'm sure the people she danced around might have thought she was crazy. I'm sure the other people looking might have thought she was crazy. And she had to get beyond that. She had to get beyond that opinion to do what the Lord has showed her to do. I always say this, I never promote craziness. Um, something is, just because something's crazy doesn't make it right or radical or, you know, right by the Lord. But if God wants something, and there's always a place where you can check it with your leader, then even though it might look crazy, um, there's, it's good to be obedient in what the Lord shows. Other time we were dancing at the back, a few of us, and someone who's able to see in the spirit realm came to us afterwards. So it was cool, so it was like, you know, that kind of dancing. And um, she said that she could see in the meeting the Holy Spirit. She could see the Holy Spirit in the air like water, like rivers in the air. And she said as we were dancing, every time our hands would move, we directed the river. It went where our hands went. It would go to specific people or specific parts of the hall. And obviously, we actually didn't even, we didn't even know. We went away. 
But we were worshiping in obedience. We were a team who had prayed and prepared. We were worshiping in obedience to God, and that's how God used it. So unplanned, but on that point, if you want to move in that way, specifically in the services, you need to speak to Bianca. Yeah, she's training people now. So um, if that connects with you, you don't have to be a dancer. That's not the point. Um, but if you want to move in that kind of obedience, you can speak to Bianca. So now you know what prophetic action is. Okay, so now everyone needs to clock in. <laughs> um, and it comes in different ways. It's never the same, almost, like we saw with Moses. Something like, you know, when we were worshipping now, there was a point when everyone started clapping. Who could feel that something changed? Could you feel the atmosphere shifted when we clapped? It's amazing. So in that instance, you know, clapping, it brings a sound. So in that sound, again, directed by the Lord, done in obedience with enthusiasm and extra um, thing, if it's in corporate setting and it's done in unity, that takes it to another level, then the Lord can do what he wanted to do. Did we shift the atmosphere? No. Can we shift the atmosphere by ourselves? No. Physically impossible. But God brings us with him to work with him and then he enables that shift to happen through our obedience and through the obedience of Matthew leading the worship having understood, having an authority for that and understanding these things and hearing the voice of God leading us into that and then being able to bring that shift. So what I want to speak about tonight, my title is, What is that sound? And firstly, I want to encourage us tonight for prophetic action. I want to encourage us to be obedient to God. I want to encourage you as individuals even. You know, this is definitely in church, but this is so much more than in church. You know, that this is, you know, when, like in sport, I don't really watch sport, but there's the game that you watch on TV, the rugby game, whatever, and then there's the team meeting. So the team meeting, we don't even see. Okay, they don't put that on TV, I think. <laughs> um, the t team meeting is not the thing, and the practice rounds, it's not the thing. It's important, you have to have it, but the game is the thing. Okay, that's where everyone watches. So this year, this is the team meeting. So it's important that we are open to God and we must definitely move in the prophetic and all those things. But this is not the thing. The game is in the week. The game is outside of the building. Um, that's the game. That's the thing. So nothing should be kept in here. We take it out. We do it here with the purpose of taking it out. We practice here. We grow here with the purpose of taking it. So I want to encourage each person as individuals. You pray in your room. You pray in the house where you stay, whether it's your house or not your house. You pray on the yard. You use oil. Oil is a prophetic symbol. You put the oil, you pray, you're declaring the presence of the Holy Spirit. I've had twice lived in houses before I was married with other people. Twice I've had housemates who are completely not believers. One was full on New Age, practicing New Age. She set up a shrine in our sitting room with the idol and everything. Every day, me and the other housemate, we put oil on her door, and when she wasn't there, we tried a little bit of oil on her pillow. She wouldn't see, just a little bit. <laughs> Prayed over her room. About six months later, she had a radical encounter with the Lord. Today, she's full-on Christian, serving the Lord, married a Christian husband, committed in a church. I've seen that happen twice. It's powerful. When you walk, wherever you walk, where you go, in your workplace. Um, when I used to work in Danal, 
as an engineer, I used to always go quite early in the mornings. It was good to skip traffic, but it's also the best time to pray. Sometimes my, me and my friend, we, on Friday, sometimes we went at five because then no one else is there. We prayed in the boardrooms. We prayed in the offices. The people we didn't know were saved. We put oil under their desks, not on top. <laughs> prayed. Um, some meetings, I had some difficult people I had to have meetings with. And um, sometimes weird things would happen. People would really take me on. I was very young compared to everyone else, and I was a woman compared to everyone else who were men, engineering. Um, and I would just go out early in the morning and pray in the meeting room, sort out the whole meeting. <laughs> um, I once had a lady, as we walked into the meeting room, she whispered in my ear and she said, um, the God that you serve is not real. Yeah, I mean, completely unprofessional and inappropriate. <laughs> but it's like, um, it's like she said it with authority, and I would never, you know, like care about something like that. But it, she said it while my mind was on work. And it's, it struck me. It took me like five minutes to recover <laughs> from her sentence. She completely put me off guard for the whole meeting. And so I went early and I prayed for her <laughs> desk <laughs> in that meeting room. But I remember the difference that it made. We, was, we were five people in a room, five engineers. One was a girl. And it was a very, um, when I started at the company, it was very Afrikaans, very white, all, all the men. So um, they kind of put us in a room, <laughs> me and the other young girl, and then two other girls, so four girls, the only young ones. And um, two of them couldn't speak Afrikaans, so I had to often translate for them in the meetings. People would just be so inconsiderate. Um, but one of them just, she didn't even, t it was like the first few weeks of starting work, we haven't really spoken a lot about God or anything, but me and the one were Christians, and we used to pray in the mornings. And then the one day, this girl just came to us, and she, she really opened up her life to us. And in, so I, I checked on the system, booked a meeting room over lunch. We went to a meeting room, and she got saved over lunchtime. And because we were praying there in the early mornings. So as individuals, you need to, and oh, we, we took worship music early in the mornings, and we danced in the meeting room. That's why we went at five. <laughs> and we locked the door on the inside. <laughs> but I know that there's, I have authority to dance. Your authority might be something else, like other kind of movement. But there's a lot of authority in movement. And there's also a lot of authority in worship. And we shifted things in the place. Um, and I want to encourage you, wherever you go, to do that. If you need to dance in the mall, then you need to do that. If you need to dance down the street, if you need to stomp your feet, if you need to pray in tongues... The Lord will show you, and you be obedient to what the Lord shows you to do. Okay, so that's the one thing. <laughs> the place that I want to take it further is that there's one, one form of prophetic action, which is a sound. Okay, so we even did it tonight when we were clapping, when we were worshiping. Uh, when you call out the name of Jesus, calling upon the name of Jesus is very powerful. Something shifts when you do that. Call upon the name of Jesus. If you need to do that, you need to do that. If God shows you to do that on campus, then you go at five and you do that. Or I think if you go at 11 at night also, people won't even notice what you're doing because everyone's busy with weird stuff um, and noise. Um, but the Bible speaks about sound and the power of sound. So who can tell me an example from Scripture? Yes. The harp David played, what did it do? What's the power of it? Yes, it actually brought forth deliverance. Amen. 
There we go. Tell us. Yes, they went around the walls and eventually the sound brought the wall down. Another example. Jesus called Lazarus out of the grave with his voice. Sound of his voice. What else? Paul Silas. Yes, they worship in the prison and it broke up in the prison doors. How did God create the world? He spoke. He said, let there be light. The sound of God's voice creates. And that is amazing. He speaks and it comes into being because he is God. So one of the areas where we need to partner with God is when he calls us to do a prophetic action. And sometimes that prophetic action can be a sound. So let's just look at Jericho. This is Joshua 6. You can read the whole story. I won't read the whole story. I think I will um, just skip here and there. Um, so they wanted to take the city of Jericho. Um, they were giants. It was a fortified city. It had a big wall. When, when a city had a wall like that, it was very difficult to overtake them because it's very easy for them to just keep you out from the inside. So God said to them, this time it's not going to be, we're not going to do like a battle. You're going to walk around the city. For six days, you're going to walk around, you're going to blow the trumpet. Armand. There he is. <laughs> so I brought my shofars. I have one and Raina has one. This is my um, weapon of choice. You should really get one. I think everyone should have one. In the Bible, this was often used, like a lot of the scriptures that says trumpet, some of them mean like a silver trumpet, but a lot of them, if it's translated from shofar, then it means this. And this makes a specific sound that God decided would do specific things. So because God has decided it, this is a specific sound that's very powerful. Can you give us an example? <laughs> they are very, very difficult to blow. Like you really have to learn... That's actually not easy to do. You'll see when you try. <laughs> My kids put it on their mouths and they go, Ooh. <laughs> 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 I just <laughs> make the sound. Um, so six days in a row, they were walking around Jericho, blowing the trumpets. But no one was supposed to make another sound. They were not allowed to talk. don't know how we managed to get that big crowd to not talk. I think they had the fear of the Lord. Um, then he said, do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout, then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord representing the presence of God. Again, prophetic action, God's idea, something God says, in obedience to God, doing exactly what God said. Then the army returned to the camp, spent the night there, they did it for six days. Then verse 15, on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak, they marched around the city seven times. So the other days was only once, this day seven times. Except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. The city and all that is in it ought to be devoted to the Lord. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. Prophetic action, what God said in obedience, the way God said it, and with enthusiasm. 
The army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord. When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. When the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Have you ever made a wall collapse by shouting? It's not a natural thing. It's in obedience to God, as God said, with enthusiasm. And then God brings about the result. Did they make the wall fall? God made the wall fall. Did he just do it by himself? No, he used them. He used them with a prophetic action. And in this instance, the prophetic action involved a sound. The sound of their voices shouting with enthusiasm. And when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. Okay, we're going to look at a last example. This is all over scripture. There are many more examples than what I'm sharing tonight. But I thought you might want to go home before 10. The Judges 7. Gideon, they're again going to face an enemy. This is the story where the Lord says to him, you have too many people, the glory will not go to me. Make it less, make it less, make it less. They go through all these slack rituals and drinking water, not rituals, but things that the Lord says, and they choose less and less and less men until he's left with 300 men, and they're up against multiple armies, much, much bigger than them. So now the Lord has given Gideon a plan. Now he, he does the Lord's plan. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he places trumpets and empty jars in the hands of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they changed the guard. They blew their trumpets, they broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. Gra grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. So they didn't fight. The, the, the enemies killed each other on their behalf. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men in the camp to turn on each other. God ordained a specific sound. When they made that sound in obedience to God, with enthusiasm, as in the way that God said they should do it, it brought about the effect that God wanted it to bring. Now to bring it back down to <laughs> being practical... We don't have literal wars, <laughs> and um, we don't normally go out in armies with trumpets and torches, not literally. But every Sunday, this is part of what we do. Did you know why we worship? There's not just one reason. We worship because we love God. I'm busy with the worship series, in case you haven't noticed. Um, worship unfolded, and Rainer and Matthew have both spoken about worship before. You know, there's many reasons why we worship. We love God. We express our devotion to Him. But one of the reasons is we are moving in obedience to the leading of the Holy Spirit 
And when we do that obedience, God does something. We are his army. God is our leader. When we follow him, for instance, in the worship now, Matthew is the worship leader for tonight. God uses him. He leads us in the worship. We follow Matthew. We follow God. We follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit led by Matthew. Then God can do something that he wants to do. Not always something that we know. I think mostly more things happen than we know because we are not always spiritually minded. We are sometimes focused on what we see around us. My son always goes like this. I see you. It's very cute. If he's like far from me across the room, he look at me and go like this. But sometimes we just focused, yeah, earthly minded, not heavenly minded. So we do this every Sunday. We do this at intercession. We do this at the Lord leads us. We do this as individuals. We do this as a corporate. And we are going to do this at the Baxter on the 5th of May. And I want to encourage you to be there and to bring people. So just to explain to you what we did, we asked people, so this is the Lord spoke to Reino that we need to do this, that this is the time that we need to release a specific sound over Cape Town. So we've planned it since last year. We asked people, we made it open to anyone to submit a prophetic song specifically a prophetic song speaking to Cape Town. We had got a lot of songs, more than 30. We worked through all of them. Eventually, we chose the 12 that we felt is exactly what God wants to say right now. Very different. Each song, very different. A different genre, different singer, different style, different language. Because God works in the body principle. God doesn't just bring the message one way. He loves bringing different parts together. And I love it as well. <laughs> but God loves when it's different parts that come together. But together, it's still bringing one sound. It's doing one specific thing. So we are working very hard. And we, on that evening, we know that in what we bring, we are releasing something into Cape Town. I know it's, it's in line with the drought. I know it's in line with Angus Bachan's meeting. I know it's in line with the prophecies about Africa and the southernmost part of Africa. God is doing a big thing, and we have a part in it. We are not the only church doing it. There are many churches all doing their part. This is, event is also not just for our church. We've invited many different people. We've invited political leaders. We've invited le leaders and, and well-known people in the entertainment industry. We've invited business leaders. We believe that the Lord is going to speak. The Lord is going to speak through those songs. And then afterwards, there's going to be a time where you're really going to allow the Lord to speak spontaneously as well. Obviously directed and in order. Um, but the Lord is going to speak, and we need to be there to hear it. We need to be there to add our faith and authority. And we need to bring people to hear it. Today is actually the last day for the early bird. Um, so to, till 12 o'clock tonight. So you need to let people know to buy tickets today on web tickets if they want the early bird prize. Just go on web tickets, very easy. Web tickets is a pick and pay thing, so otherwise you go to pick and pay. But I want to encourage us to do this thing together, to take this thing on together. I um, went, had the immense privilege in 2006, I went to a Reinhardt Bunke crusade. Who knows who he is? Okay, most people, he's an evangelist from Germany, and he's, his crusades normally gets one to four million people. And um, you often have up to a million salvations. Um, at a time and very much all the people with wheelchairs stand up lots of healing lots of things like that happening 
So I was in Nigeria in 2006 at one of his crusades. And the crusade was amazing. It was really incredible for me to see. It's the first time that I saw just like huge amounts of people getting up out of their wheelchairs. And then they have doctors there who check them and they, you know, check that the testimony is legitimate and everything and they share that. But what was also amazing is we were there as part of um, pastors that were invited from all over the world. Honestly, I have no idea how we managed to be there. <laughs> we were like the youngest, youngest people there. Um, I wasn't even dating Radar at the time, but he was also there and I was there and some other people. And we were in this group of, I think, about 100 pastors, but they were from all over the world. They were all much older than us. They all had multiple churches, so we were like these, like, just like seeing what's going on here. And I met pastors from every country, Japan, Korea, America, every, you know, like when you meet someone, then they're from another country. Um, you know, you so many different versions of English. <laughs> and we had the last morning of the crusade, we all had a devotional time together with Reynard Bonke. And he was sharing, and then we had communion, and then people were sharing. And it suddenly, as this was happening, it struck me that for the first time in my life, because so there's 100 pastors from all different countries, and they all at one point were praying, and everyone's in their own language. And it's like, it's the first time I got a glimpse of heaven. Wow, this is amazing. Do you know that the Bible doesn't speak of like nationalities? Have you ever noticed? What does the Bible, the Bible does divide people into groups. What does he divide them into? Tribes and tongues. Do you know that the Bible d divides people into tongues? The Bible actually, it actually matters, your, your language matters. And this is like amazing for me. In heaven, there will be people from all tongues. Obviously, we know this happened at the Tower of Babel. There was actually only one language, but then it all got divided for different reasons, and God uses it in different ways. But even in a language, God brings forth specific strengths. And I found this in the songs with the evening as well. I, I really wanted more different languages, but we didn't get submissions from every language, so heads up for next year. Okay, every language. <laughs> Submission songs, come, come, come. But there's a Mandisa song. Don't you want to sing a line? <laughs> Sorry, unprepared. Two or three lines. It's not a tandu, yeah. Which mics are better? Sorry, completely unprepared. This is um, really like, you're almost getting an illegal input here because you're not really allowed to hear the songs before. But just hear how, now you have to come on the evening because obviously it's impossible for me to explain this to you, but 12 songs from different people in different languages. And, and then you hear how a different strings come from different languages doesn't have to be very perfect just to give us an idea Wow. 
I don't understand it but it doesn't matter I feel it and because it's Isisulu there's something else that comes through it um, yeah so I'm very excited about that <laughs> even in the different sounds of different languages a different thing comes through obviously it's also because um, God gifts different nations with different gifts if you want to learn about this you do school of nations um, but every culture every ethnicity has specific strings that God brings. That's also what comes through the language. But I love it how that sound comes through. If you want to also become more used to just the power of sound, really go to the prayer room. Someone said to me the other day they're afraid to go to the prayer room. I was like, what? <laughs> so in case you were wondering, you don't have to pray there <laughs> if you felt intimidated. <laughs> so the prayer room is two hours, but you can come in and out as you want. That's how prayer room works. So I really, if you haven't been, who hasn't been? Let's put you on the spot. Okay, that's not, it's inexcusable. <laughs> because it's so amazing. Not because I specifically need you there for something, but for you, you need to be there. Um, it's two hours. If you want to come for five minutes, you can come for five minutes. People, you can walk in and out. It's not, that's how it works. So you just come for as long as you want. You don't have to come for two hours. And you, you actually do not have to do something there. You can come in, just be there for a while and go. And then you will come, want to come back and be there <laughs> just the whole time. <laughs> but there you can also just experience in that time the band leads worship. But you don't have to sing. It's not like really like leading. They're more like um, just like intercessory singing and you'll also see even like the different people in the band you'll see how their voices does a different thing have you seen that who knows what jamie's voice does often can you hear think about tonight can you hear what jamie's voice so often does who knows nolitanu Authority, yes. But what I've often seen through James was healing. It's like I can almost see it when she sings, the healing comes. Is Jamie doing it? No. But is God doing it without her? No, he uses her. What comes through Matthew 